What up, church family and those watching online? We have a team of people ready to answer your questions on our live stream feed, and we'd love to be a help and a blessing to you. We pray for you. We pray for our country, the world, but we pray mostly that through these events that Jesus would meet man's greatest need, which is salvation. Man's greatest need is spiritual. What I'd like is for you to turn your Bibles to John chapter 14. If you're sitting in your living room, you're sitting in your car, wherever you're at right now, uh, if you don't have a Bible, the words will be right there on your screen. But I want you to see the words of Jesus as he brings hope to a hurting people, a group of disciples that were following him, and all of a sudden, their entire world implodes. And so these are the words of Jesus to his disciples, to his followers. In John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6, it says, Let not your heart be troubled. In other words, we have a choice in the matter. He gives a solution. He says this, You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Not might be in heaven, could be in heaven, but you may be there. You shall be in heaven. And that's only through the person of Jesus Christ. And he says in verse 4, And whither I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas, one of the disciples, said unto the Lord, We know not where you go, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. Why don't we open our service up in a word of prayer? Let's pray. Lord, I pray that those watching online, those that will watch in the future, I pray that they would see that you are the truth, you are the way, you're the life in this world. Lord, you just have a a way of stripping everything away from us that our heart has trusted in so that we could see you for who you are and we could be around the people we are meant to love. Lord, I pray you'd use this time to wake up America, to wake up the world. And Lord, I pray that this message and these words from your scriptures would teach us to not allow our hearts to be troubled, but you've given us the solution. Lord, I also pray for all the people that are on the front lines of this virus, this pandemic, the people who are working in the hospitals right now, the people who are working extra shifts at work to keep people healthy, the pharmacists, the doctors, the nurses, Lord, the truck drivers, people working in delivery. I pray for those who have lost a job, those sitting right now who had just gotten laid off this week. Lord, I pray that, they, I pray that you, would, you would give them comfort and peace. And, and Lord, I pray that they would see that you are sovereign, that you are a God who will provide. But Lord, I pray you use this in their life to see that their greatest need in life is not a job. Their greatest need is you. Now, Lord, you take care of your children. Lord, as David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. And Lord, I pray that all of us listening online and, and listening here would see that you, with you, we have everything we need for life and happiness. Thank you for giving us those things. And Lord, just use me today. 
in a great way. And Lord, may it not be about us or about me. Lord, may it be about you and how this message could be a comfort to many hearts. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to talk to you to you today about the cure to your troubled heart. I'm glad that the Bible doesn't just expose the problems of this life. He also gives us the cure and the solutions. One of the hardest times in my life was when, our, when, when my oldest daughter, Katie, was diagnosed with cancer. And this was about seven years ago. My wife and I had to hear those tragic words from a doctor, your daughter has cancer. Well, it was one of the hardest times in our life because we love her and we want the best for her, just as our Heavenly Father wants the best for us. And that event taught us so many things. That event taught us, number one, to trust Him. Uh, we had to trust Him. We were very vulnerable. There was really nothing else we could do. We had to completely trust in God, and that is a great place to be. I know many people in the world love to be self-sufficient, but God wants us to be God-sufficient, and God was teaching us through that to trust in Him. He also taught us to that, that we're a manager of our, of our lives and of the children that God gives us and of the money that he brings our way, not the owner. That got us to a place where we uh, looked at our daughter Katie and our, all of our kids as a steward, that God has given us these children, he's given us a house, he's given us a church, he's given us so many wonderful things, but we're not the owners of it, God is, we're the steward of it. And that really helped our soul and if God decided to take our daughter or God decided to take us away from our church or whatever it was, that it really belonged to him. And he also taught us to value and appreciate the time that we have with not just God, but our time with each other. You're sitting in your living room, you're sitting in your car, most likely most of you are sitting around your family. Can I tell you something? There's no better place. As much as I'd want everybody to gather here in the auditorium, and there will come a time where we get to gather again, I'll tell you what, I can't wait for that, but I want you to look around and look in the faces of the people that you're sitting next to, and I want you to realize that that is what life is all about. It's those people right there. It's about God and the people that you're sitting around. The two greatest commandments in the Bible is to love God and to love others. Everything else is secondary. And maybe God just had to do all of this to get us to this place where we see both of them, God and the people we're meant to love. So through the course of life, God works in our lives to mold and to, to strengthen us, to prepare us to be his children, to be his follower, to be a disciple of Jesus. And God either brings or allows experiences in our lives that you're going through right now. And some are pleasant, some are enjoyable, and others are excruciatingly painful, and everything but enjoyable. When Jesus called the 12 disciples, he did not promise them that it was going to be a life of ease. They were going to experience excruciating pain and unenjoyable experiences. Either way, though, God uses your experiences to work on your heart. He orchestrates your experiences as challenges to mold your heart, to, to jar you out of your comfort zones, to shake up your complacency, to make you look inward 
deep in your heart until some crisis finally shows or reveals who we truly are. That's what these trials do, reveals who we are. God has a way of stripping everything away and that has distracted us from seeing God and seeing people. So here we are. We find ourselves in such a crazy world. I mean, four weeks ago, the stock market was up. Unemployment was down to 3.2%. I mean, things were looking bright, and all of it has been completely stripped away. It's uncertain. We don't know what the future holds, but I do know who holds the future, and his name is Jesus Christ. So God focuses his efforts on our heart. When we talk about God being at work, he's always at work on our hearts, not your finances, not on how your house looks, not on the education of your children. God is primarily using his efforts and works to work on our heart because that's what he is more concerned about than even our physical bodies. I like what the Bible says. What's it going to gain a person if he, if he gains the whole world? What does it profit a person if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Nothing is more important than your soul. Nothing is more important than your heart and your heart for God. So facing troubles is not immune to anybody. Nobody's immune to facing troubles. In the Bible, that was commonplace for every person. They, they face a lot of trouble. In fact, even when Jesus was born on the earth, uh, King Herod was so jealous that this king was born that he commanded that all firstborn sons be murdered. You talk about pestilence and evil running rampant during that time, yet when Jesus came, the angel saying, great peace and joy has come to the world. I'm just thankful I serve a God that brings joy and peace in the midst of all of the chaos. But trouble happens to everybody. Everybody will face it. I heard it said this way, you're either going into a storm, you're in the middle of one, or you're coming out of one. Either way, we face trouble. But let me tell you something. You don't have to face trouble alone. God wants to be with you. He says, I've never leave thee nor forsake thee. I, I want to walk you through this. And he might not take your trouble away, but he'll give you the peace and the joy that comes with a presence of Jesus Christ in your life. So Jesus taught that we would face trouble on earth. So the verses that we just read in John 14, 1 through 6, I want you to understand something. For three and a half years, Jesus and the disciples were rock stars. Every community that they would go into, the whole community would come out to see them. They were so popular. They were healing people. They were seeing people saved. I'm telling you, I mean, and it riled up the religious crowd. They didn't like his popularity. And a lot of good things were happening during this time. Uh, the children of Israel were under bondage of Rome, and, and they thought, well, this is the Messiah. He's going to come. He's going to deliver us from that, and he's going to be the king, and we're going to serve him. But yet in the verses preceding John 14, Jesus is preparing his disciples for his own death. He says, I got to go away. And all the greatness and popularity and achievements that they had experienced this whole time is now being stripped away, kind of like today. 
boy, just a few months ago, things were so great, jobs were plentiful, everything was so grand and wonderful, and all of a sudden, overnight, our hearts are troubled. Our hearts are troubled. What is going on? But Jesus knew all these things would come. He knew that this would happen. And so he says to the disciples, and he says to you right now, I want you to see this. He says, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let your heart be troubled. Now, some of you are probably thinking, well, that's, that's good to say, but how do I fix that? Like, what, what am I supposed to do to not allow my heart to be troubled? Well, I'm glad you asked because I'm going to give you the answer. I'm going to give you the cure. I'm glad that God didn't just say, hey, don't let your heart be troubled and not give us some kind of answer. He does give us an answer. Notice what it says in verse 1. It says, let not your heart be troubled, colon, you believe in God. What does he say? Look at your Bible. Believe also in me. So God gives us the cure to a troubled heart. I'm going to give you two easy points you can remember. Number one, believe in God, believe in Jesus. And number two, believe in heaven. Believe in Jesus and believe in heaven. You say, well, why are those two points so important? It's because that's what Jesus says. It's what the Bible teaches. So don't let your heart be troubled with all of the chaos going on, but believe in Jesus. Let me say it this way, and this will help you. Write this down. Having faith or trust in God eliminates fear, but having fear eliminates faith. Okay? There's, there, the Bible teaches there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. So when your heart is trusting and looking to God, fear and anxiety and worry is eliminated or downplayed. It doesn't go away completely. The Bible doesn't teach that, but it, but it doesn't have to run our lives. It doesn't have to control us anymore. So my heart's trusting in God, and it's eliminating my fear. But when I'm looking at the unknown, I'm looking at, am I going to have a job next week? Are my kids going to have to stay in the house forever? Uh, for some of you, you're, you're worried about so many things. There's so much going on up here. God says, just put that aside trust in me. He's sovereign. He's good. He loves you, and he wants you to trust in him. So our souls were made to connect. They were designed that way. We connect to something. We have to connect to someone or to something to give our life some substance or some type of meaning or purpose. And so our, our souls are always searching like your cell phone. It, it's always searching for a tower to connect to, okay? But God has designed your soul to connect to him. And it, when it doesn't connect to him, it becomes empty. No matter how much you strive to fill that void in your life with money and relationships and prestige and status, you'll never find what only God can give you in your life. And God wants to give you that. So here you are, connected to the internet, watching this service online watching this live stream service. Some of you in your PJs right now. You're watching in your PJs. That's great. Some of you are like looking around like, I can get used to this. This is, this is great. But I'll tell you what, a, a good marriage, let me just say this though, a good marriage is, it, it, an online marriage wouldn't last very long. And an online church wouldn't last long. We were made to gather. We were made to see each other face to face to worship together. And I can't wait for that day to happen. But your heart was made to connect to God, and when it, your heart does connect to God, when you get saved and your heart looks to him, and our spirit bears witness with his spirit that we're the sons of God, watch this, miracles happen. Miracle, what miracle happens? This is the miracle. 
God gives you what money could never give you. Love, security, joy, peace. These are all spiritual attributes. It's a spiritual commodity that only Jesus Christ himself can give you that nothing on this earth horizontally could ever, ever give you. See, belief in Jesus, belief in Christ. And don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in me. Belief in Christ helps you find your identity. And right now, some of you have kind of lost yourselves. You're like, who am I? Where am I? I feel like everything I've been holding on to is slipping away. I'm losing my identity. But when you believe in Christ, you put your faith in Christ, then your identity is established in what God thinks of you and says about you rather than your status or what you think or what others say. So this identity in Christ allows the believer to be himself rather than to try to prove himself. This identity in Christ helps us to be ourselves rather than try to prove ourselves. And we live in that kind of society, doesn't, don't we? Like, like people like us based on our performance. But let me tell you, when it comes to God, he loves you for you. And, and when you understand that, and when you're in Christ, and you realize you don't need to do anything to prove yourself to him, he loves you with an unconditional love, therefore with loving kindness has he drawn you, you're able to be the best version of you. To express yourself to be yourself rather than trying to prove yourself to everybody and everything out there. That's what a true identity in Jesus Christ gives you and I. See, the best version of you is the one where you're not living to prove yourself anymore. You're living to be yourself. Reading deep within us and residing deep within us is a powerful feeling to need to be secure and significant. We all want to feel that way. We want to feel secure, feel significant, that we have purpose and meaning in this life. Is What am I here for? And each of us desperately longs to feel secure and loved and accepted and to sense that we are persons of substance, that our life has meaning and it, has, it can make a difference. So we're made that way. And Jesus' response was, let not. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let your heart be troubled. The word let not means we have a choice in the matter. Like you and I have a choice. We can let our heart be troubled or we have a choice of, of, of deliverance from trouble. And that deliverer is Jesus. It's Christ. He actually offers a solution unlike any other thing out there. And every religion, if you're watching, every religion in the world, you have to prove yourself. You have to prove yourself. With Jesus, you get to be yourself. He already loves you. There's, there's nothing else you can do to make him love you more. He, lo he already loves you. You just be you. So that means we have a choice. Let not your heart be troubled. You, you have a choice. You don't have to let it trouble you. Don't allow fear and worry and anxiety direct your thoughts and actions. This whole COVID-19 has a lot of people scared, has a lot of people thinking there's a lot of unknowns at play. And when this thing ends, though, when this thing ends, and it will, let me tell you, it, it will, many souls will remain quarantined in worry and in fear and anxiety. They'll stay that way, even though the virus is gone. They'll stay that way, worried about what's coming next, what's going to happen next. 
God doesn't want you to live that way. He wants to deliver you from that. He says, don't worry, believe in me, trust in me. See, if our hearts don't trust or connect to God, then we connect to other things like money and people and ourselves. And, and so I want to just share some of those thoughts with you. Sometimes our hearts will trust in riches. They'll trust in riches. I like what Proverbs 23, 5 says. It says, Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. I want you to see this. He says, riches, money, the stock market, your stuff, it, it, it like makes wings. And what does it do? They fly away as an eagle toward heaven. In Michigan, we have a casino called Soaring Eagle Casino. I think that's a pretty proper name because that's where your money flies away. But the fact of the matter is, just four weeks ago, the stock market was up to 30,000, and we've lost one-third of the market already. It gathered itself like wings, and it, it flew away. Some of you lost your... You had no idea this was coming. You lost your job this week. When your heart completely trusts in riches... Listen, you, you live an unstable life because riches gather themselves like wings and flies away. Our hearts often don't just trust riches, but they trust people. And that's a big problem as well. We were never designed to fully trust in humans. In fact, in the verses before chapter 14, Judas, one of the 12 disciples, betrays Jesus. One of the 12 walks away and, and turns God in for 30 pieces of silver, the price of a slave, and betrays him. You can't trust people often. I mean, even Peter himself, who God used, because we all make mistakes, uh, said, oh, Lord, I'm going to be with you to the end. And Jesus says, you're going to deny me three times before the cock crows twice. You can't trust in people often. I like what Proverbs 29, 25 says. It says, the fear of man or what man can do, or the fear of this virus brings a snare. The word snare carries the idea of a trap. It's a trap. It's set out there for you. When you're always afraid of what people think about you or what their opinion is about you, it's like a trap. But whoso puts his trust in the, the Lord shall be safe. Okay. So our hearts tend to trust riches, trust people. And, and let me, there's a lot of things our hearts can trust in, but one of them is ourselves. We tend to trust ourselves. Uh, people tend to be self-sufficient. Here's the problem with being self-sufficient. We enter times like this and we don't know what to do. And we actually have to depend on others and depend on God. And for a lot of people, they don't like that. They don't like that feeling of dependence. But let me tell you, that's a great place for you to be in, to depend on God. Because the fact of the matter is you can do nothing without him. You can't even breathe your next breath without God giving you the power to do such. I like what Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says about trusting ourselves. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into thine own understandings in all thy ways, every way. Acknowledge him. It means every decision you make is filtered through the person of Jesus Christ and through his word. And he shall what? Direct your paths. So our hearts tend to connect to people and to riches and to ourselves, and, and all of those things will often fail us. But when our hearts connect to God, I want you to see this, when your heart connects to God, it gives you a healthy relationship with riches and people, their opinion, and with your own mind, who you can't trust. 
It gives you a health. In, in other words, you're not deifying other people or what you own or your own mind and how you think, doing things your own way. You don't give it godlike qualities, but when your heart trusts and believes in God, all of those things in our life play a normal part in our life. We have a normal, healthy relationship with those things. And if those things depart, we're okay. And when they come our way, we get to enjoy it because our heart's not resting in those things. It's resting in the person of Jesus Christ. So why should we trust God? Why should we do this? Well, first of all, and there's so many things to say about God, but let me just share a couple of them. Number one is that God never changes. <laughs> God never so why should I believe in God? Like, why should I put my heart, to, my heart to trust in God? Why should I do that? Because he never changes. I like what Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, he's the same yesterday, today, and what? Forever. He never changes. In other words, when your heart is resting in the person of Christ, your soul remains stable in unstable times. Your soul remains stable in unstable times. Trusting God allows you to transition gracefully in an ever-changing world because your heart is resting in an unchanging God. And I'll tell you, riches will come and go. Those will change. People will come and go. That's going to change. Your mind's going to change. You're always coming up with new ideas. We're believing different things. And, and that'll all change. But the one person who never changes is God because he's the truth. He never changes. He's stable. He's secure. And when your heart rests in God, you're secure as well. The, the second thought that I wanted to give you, why God says, believe in me, don't let your heart be troubled, is because God loves you. God loves you. Listen, the last time I checked, riches don't love us. They're just riches. My money never like, came out of my wallet and says, listen, I love you, Cody. I love you. <laughs> That's never happened. Money's never, like, loved me. It, 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 doesn't, it doesn't give me what God can. Um, last time I checked, not everybody loves me. It's amazing to me. As a pastor, I show up, I, I put on a smile on my face, and I'm like, I'm here to help people. And people still find a way to hate me. And that's okay, though, because I'm not living for them. I'm living for God, and you can too. My mind always changes. There's a lot of things I used to think that I don't think anymore. <laughs> but God never, ever changes. He never changes. And he loves you. He loves you. A lot of times we don't even love ourselves. We don't love ourselves. We don't think we're worth much. And the reason why is because we don't understand how much God loves you. Look at this verse. Uh, uh, or look at this verse in Jeremiah 31, 3. Look, look at this. The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love, therefore with loving kindness have I drawn thee. And it might be that this COVID-19 epidemic is God's way of revealing himself to you so that your heart would trust in him and you'd experience the love that's everlasting. And that love is not based on your performance again. It's not based on what you do. It's based on who you are. In other words, there's nothing you've done in the past that'll make God love you less, and there's nothing you could do today or tomorrow that'll make God love you more. God loves you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, he's drawing you unto himself because your greatest need is not physical or material. Your greatest need is spiritual. And when you have Jesus, you have everything you need for life 
and for happiness. God loves you. And another reason to give your heart to God and to believe in him is because God is in control. And you know, for an, a, a, a soul that's unsettled right now, this is a great place to be. When you believe, trust in God through these times, you realize that God is in control. In Romans 8, there was a lot of troubled time. In fact, um, Paul refers to the world as a world that groans. Now, how many of you, I mean, I heard today that some little asteroid may even hit our earth today. It's like, let's just bring it all on. You know, an asteroid, a pandemic, what else, Lord? Uh, let's bring it on. And during this time, there was a lot of chaos. And in fact, in Romans 8, if you read that chapter, he says the whole world groans and the church was going, it was under persecution. I mean, I'm telling you, the people were troubled. And watch what he says. In Romans 8, 28, it says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. God knows you, God's in control, and he's working all of this together for his good and glory. And that's, my heart is settled, and it rests in a God who knows what he's doing. He's taking bad situations and turning them into good. Don't think for a second that God brought this on. Don't think for a second that God is doing this. God may allow it, but God doesn't prompt evil. He doesn't bring evil, but he is the solution to it. He'll work something good out of it. In fact, in all of the stories in the Bible, you'll see every single Bible character went through troubled times. But it's through those troubled times that God was forging a man or woman of God for his great use. <laughs> wow. In other words, life transformation can't happen outside of God using troubled times in our life. That's why he says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, and let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect, that means mature, entire, wanting nothing. In other words, he's getting you to a place of contentment. See, friend, God is in control. Look, God never promised that you would never go through troubled times. In fact, he promised that you would. Those that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. He says, in the last days, perilous times shall come. There'll be famines. There'll be pestilence, which is disease, what we're experiencing right now. Uh, there's going to be earthquakes and wars. And there's going to be a lot of that. God promised those things would happen. And as they get closer and closer together, God says, look for my appearing. It's pretty amazing. And that's the point I'm trying to make, is that we're not really made for this earth. We're made for another world but God never promised that you would never go through troubles. He promised to give you what money can't buy, which is love, joy, and peace. And when Jesus has, what was taken uh, in this passage, he was taken right after he said these words, and he was hung on a cross, he was beaten and killed. Fear and trouble took over. They let it take over. And it's in moments like this that we need to decide if we're going to trust God or if we're going to tremble. So why is having my heart trust in Jesus so important? It's important because when my heart is truly trusting in God, all of the fears and worries and uncertainties begin again to lessen and lessen as my heart trusts more and more in the person who loves me and the person who's always in control and his name is Jesus. So number one the cure to your troubled soul is to what? 
believe in Jesus. Number two, number two, really quick, you have to believe in heaven. Notice what it says in verse two. It says, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. In other words, heaven is truly about being with God forever, for eternity will be with Jesus. Verse 4 says, And whither I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas said unto him, Lord, we, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said, I, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. You know what COVID-19 reminds us of? It reminds us that we were not made for this world. It reminds us that we weren't made to live on this earth forever, that God has created another world in the future. Now, that doesn't mean that we're going to be living in fear and, and uh, anxiety and, and under turmoil all the time. In fact, Jesus said it this way, for those who are saved living on the earth, he says, I am come that they may have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So, I mean, even while you're on the earth and you've, you're believing in Christ and walking with him, he's still giving you the abundant life, okay? But God wants you to live in light of eternity. Do you see the difference? For some people watching, you've only lived for this earth. You're not thinking about what's going to happen when we die. There's one thing that's certain, and the one thing that is certain is that you're going to die. Now, you might not die of COVID-19, but listen, you're going to die of something someday. And I'm not trying to bring doom and gloom to your life. I'm just speaking the truth. You're going to die, and you're going to stand before an almighty God. His name is Jesus Christ. And you're at the given account for your life. And to die is, is gain. He goes like, while I'm living here on the earth, I'm living for God. But, but when I die, hey, it's going to be even better because I'm, I'm away from all the pestilence and the persecution and, and the toilet paper hoarding and everything else that's going on in our world that's craziness. Paul says, man, when I get to heaven, it's going to be so much better. And it will be. It's going to be awesome. Listen, horizontally, while we're on this earth, we're going to have ups, we're going to have downs. The stock market's going to have ups, it's going to have downs, and we're going to have good days, and we're going to have really terrible days. We're going to have the good and the bad. But watch this. What God is saying in these verses for the cure to a troubled heart, he says, look to the horizon, look above, look vertically. There is a place waiting for you that's void of all the trouble that's on this earth. It's a place called heaven. Believe in heaven. There's no more hoarding supplies, mass chaos. In fact, the Bible teaches us that he'll wipe away every tear in heaven. Heaven's going to be awesome. I am telling you, it's going to be incredible. So the, the words of comfort that God brings to troubled souls was, look, just trust me through the process and then believe that when you die, it's not the end, it's just the beginning. You get to heaven and all of that trouble completely goes away. People ask me all the time, they say, Pastor, why does God... Why does God bring this on? Why doesn't God just deliver us from all this pain in the world? Why didn't he just deliver us now from all? Why didn't he just make this all go away? Watch this. He did, and he does. He created heaven. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. And that place is the answer to all of this trouble. 
I'm delivering you out of it. He, he went out of his way to provide for you a place that's void of all the trouble. He's the cure. You believe in him. You're guaranteed a place in heaven. I don't know what mansion means in the but I would like to live in a mansion. I think the greatest thing about being in heaven is that we get to be with God. Get to be with God. I think the worst part of hell is that we're separated from God. And so he says, if you want to bring healing to your troubled soul, just put your heart, let your heart trust in God and also look forward to the hope that we have, which is eternal life in heaven. The only way to heaven, though, I'm going to end with this. The only way to heaven is through Jesus. Look right here. The only way to heaven. I'm, that's, these are not my words. This is not my opinion. It's not my religion. These are the words of God, and all truth is God's truth. He says, I am the way. He says, I am the way. Okay, very exclusive. He says, he's the only way. I am the way, the truth. He's the truth. There's not multiple truths, there's one truth, and that truth is Jesus. In fact, John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. The word of God shows us who God is, and that God is Jesus. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. In other words, nobody can get to heaven but through Jesus Christ. Here's the thing. Sin, our sin, is what caused all the chaos in this world. The pestilence, the wars, the fighting, the divisions, everything, all the chaos that's in this world that everybody watching online wants all of it to be healed. The only solution is Jesus Christ. The only way out of that chaos is through the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. There's no other way to heaven but through Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. If our greatest need was physical, I think God would have probably sent a physician our way. And boy, do we need those people. And we need them. But our greatest need is not a physician, or else he would have sent that. Our, our greatest need is not emotional. He probably would have sent a therapist to us. Our greatest need wasn't financial. He probably would have, if, that, if it was, he would have sent an economist to come save us. But our greatest need was spiritual, and so he sent a Savior, and that Savior is Jesus Christ. And when he came to this earth, he came for the sole purpose of meeting your greatest need, which is spiritual. And when he came to this earth, he, being God himself, died upon a cross. And on that, I want you to listen to this, and on that cross, he was taking your place, paying the penalty for your sin and my sin that all of our sin was placed upon his back and with his stripes were healed. And when Jesus Christ died upon that cross, he offered the greatest solution to man's greatest problem, the biggest cure, the greatest cure, which is salvation. And those who believe on him, put their trust in Christ, are saved. And those who don't put their trust in Christ are not saved. They're not his. So our greatest need is spiritual, and you can put your faith in Jesus today, right now, right where you're sitting. You may be sitting there thinking, I need Christ. Everything in my life seems to be falling apart, and I really need God 
to save me from my sin. I want my heart to trust in him and I want to follow him all the days of my life. I see now that he is the cure. He's the solution to a troubled soul. I'm not just telling you that because the Bible says it, although it's true, whether I believe it or not, but I've experienced that myself as well. And I want you to. And so in a moment, I'm going to lead you in a prayer and I want you to pray and ask God to save you. It's called the sinner's prayer. And I'm going to lead you in that prayer in just a moment. But if you're a Christian, let me just say this. I want to encourage you with this. Trust in Christ. If you're a Christian, you're a believer, let your heart just trust in God through this process. And number two, live with an eternal perspective. Live with an eternal perspective. Now let me go back to those who might not know Christ as their Savior. You're sitting here saying, I need to be saved. I need Christ in my life. Let me tell you, the prayer, this prayer doesn't, just saying a prayer, saying words doesn't save you. But believing that Jesus is God, that he came for the sole purpose of dying on the cross for your sin and for mine, and that he was buried in a tomb, and after three days, that's why we celebrate Easter, Resurrection Sunday, he rose again from the grave. He conquered death. He conquered sin. He defeated it. It's gone. That's what God does. And he rose again from the grave to give us eternal life. If you put your trust or belief or faith in his finished work, the Bible teaches that God saves that person, that that person's redeemed. Their sin is paid for in full by the perfect blood of Jesus Christ. And you can have your sins forgiven today. And if you're thinking, I need to pray that prayer. I need to ask God to save me. I'm going to ask Jesus to save me right now. Would you bow your head right now as you're watching this? Just bow your head, close your eyes. Would you say this prayer to God? Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I need you in my life. Everything that I've trusted in has failed me. And so I believe that you are God. I believe that you died on a cross. I believe that you were buried in a tomb and that after three days you rose again from the grave to give me eternal life. And so the best way I know how, I'm asking you, Jesus, to save me from my sin. Please save me. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, could you do this? Could you, could you just type amen or message us somehow on Facebook uh, or give us a call? However you want to contact Grand Rapids Baptist Church, if you prayed and accept Christ as your Savior, we'd love to send you some resources. We'd love to be a help in your next step as a Christian. And if you're a believer, you're, you're a Christian, hey, can I encourage you? Look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith, and trust him during the upcoming days. I hope and pray that this message was a great encouragement and a help to you. If you would do me a favor and share this with others, and uh, that would be great. At this time, we're going to have a quick announcement video. Don't go away. Don't click off. Uh, stay on there. Uh, we want to encourage our church family to continue giving. You can give online on our website. Uh, you can come in anytime, Tuesday through Friday, and drop that off if you, if you feel led. But we're going to show this announcement video. And be sure to contact us. If you need prayer, you need help in any way, we want to be there for you. Lord bless you.